0: Is our king, is our love, is our Thank you for listening to this message from Valley Bible Fellowship. It is our sincere prayer that you're richly blessed through the ministry of the Word. For more information about VBF, visit our website at VBF.org. Now, here's Pastor Ron B. Good morning. Oh, come on, we're not starting off that way. Good morning. Good morning. You know, you're not gonna let that first service shoot you down, are you? No. Okay, let's get alive. Yeah, there you go. There you go. You're all doing good. I'm doing good. We had a great first service. We're going to have a great second service by the power of the Spirit. Uh, I was uh, at a a thing over Northwest last night. I told him the story. I said, a lady shot her husband for walking across a freshly clean floor. The police were called. And the police came out. And when he saw the situation, he called the the office and told the sergeant. said, you won't believe it. This guy walked across a freshly mopped floor, and the lady shot him. The sergeant said, have you arrested her yet? He said, heck no, the floor ain't dry yet. (laughs) Yes. I hope you're not one of those. You're in a foul mood today. God wants to change you. Father, God bless this sermon that we're about to hear. Lord, empower me to give it. Holy Spirit, flow through me and speak through me. In Jesus' name, everybody say amen. Amen. We just finished uh, a two-part series on the written Word of God. Now, if we don't believe the Word of God, then we believe God is a liar. If you don't believe His Word, then He's lying to you in the book. If you don't believe all of His Word, then you know what? You probably don't believe a lot of the stuff that's in there. Is there even life after death? Is there heaven? Is there angels? Is there demons? See, the very first thing that the serpent did in the garden was to try to convince Adam and Eve that God had not really said what he said. Nothing new today. Nothing at all. He questioned Eve in chapter 3. Did God really say that? Did He really mean that? And He talked her out of believing, and her and Adam ended up paying the price for not believing. Some of you today need to go back and reevaluate your belief in the Word of God because you're paying the price, unfortunately, of not believing. A lot of people are paying the price of not believing. It's still a save today, nothing's changed, nothing's changed at all. We have churches across America with fine young pastors, great communicators, but a lot of them have so watered down the Word of God, they've diluted it. The Word of God, well, it's kinda out of date. It was written for another generation. The Word of God is to be taken symbolically, it's not really applicable, you can't read it the way you're reading it, Ron. The devil's playing the same old trick. Nothing new under the sun. Yet the promises remain. God said, I'll supply all your needs. Either that's true or it is not true. When we pray according to his will, we get what we ask for. No weapon formed against you will prosper. We have promise after promise after promise, Hebrews 4 and 2. For indeed, we have hilariously good news preached to us, just as they did in the Bible, but the word they heard did not profit them because it was not united by faith who heard it. You can't just read and listen. you got to unite, unite the word with faith. you got to believe in it. you got to take action on it. Now, today, let's talk about faith. Look at Mark 9.23, what Jesus said. And Jesus said to him, if you can, all things, everything under the sun, Everything you can think of in your mind, all those things are possible to the person who believes. See, you get to choose how much God blesses you. Now, let me ask you a question. Why does God want to bless us with the promises in the Bible? Why does he want to supply our needs? Why does he want to answer our prayers? Why does he want to bless us so much? Number one, because he loves you more than you can comprehend. He doesn't want you miserable. You're his kid. Do you want your kids miserable? He doesn't. He wants to answer your prayers. And number two, he wants to show the world what a good heavenly father he is. He wants them to see. See, when Jesus was here on this earth... He went around healing people. He went around loving people. He went around providing for people. He went around teaching people, so much so that multitudes followed him everywhere he went. They said, we want more of that. We're hungry for that kind of love. We're hungry for that kind of provision. In fact, they even brought all their loved ones to him so he would pray over them and heal them. It was almost like there was a message going on. There's nothing to fear when Jesus is near. Now today, he's gone. Physically, he's left the earth. But he's left you and I here to represent him in the same way. We are the body of Christ. This is an old story, but I'm going to repeat it because I want to use it for an advertisement. But there was a professor at college one day at a major university, and he was really taunting the students in his class saying, We got any Christians in here? Christians are pathetic people. He said, You guys believe in a God that doesn't exist? You're just pathetic. For example, let's just test your God right now. You say you have a God that's alive in heaven, and He's here on earth too, and that your God can do anything. Okay, let's test Him right now. God, if you're real, come and knock me down right now. I'm going to show your God's not real. He said, you hear me? God, maybe you're hard of hearing. If you're real, come and knock me down and show Him that you're real. The fullback for the university football team is walking down the, outside the aisle at the Third time when the guy said, if you're real, God, come and knock me down. So he just turned around, came back, ran full steam down that aisle, hit that professor, knocked his glasses off, knocked his head into the wall. He had a bloody nose. Professor God said, what are you doing, son? He said, well, God was busy, so he sent me. (laughs) God wants to use you to represent him. And when we move, and when we act, and when we pray, that's the same as Jesus. We're His body on this earth. Now, listen to me closely. Today, I wanna briefly paraphrase two Bible stories for you, one in the New Testament, one in the Old Testament. And the first one is in 1 Samuel 14. Israel is at war with the Philistines and they're camped out in the battlefield, and Jonathan, the son of King Saul, decides to take on all the bad guys by himself with his armor bearer, just the two of them. They, they end up with this crazy decision. Look at verse number one in the text. Now the day came that Jonathan, the son of Saul, said to the young man who was carrying his armor, Come and let us cross over to the Philistines' garrison that is on the other side. But look at this fast phrase he did not tell his father. Now, when you walk with God the way I walk with God, and many of you do, there's going to be times that God lays something on your heart that's kind of crazy. Kind of crazy. Be careful who you tell. Because there's a bunch of faith robbers out there. There's a bunch of people who will try to talk you out of your faith. My son Josh, again, when he gave away. He sold a house and gave the money to the church. Before he did it, he came to me because he knew as a loving father I might get in the way of God. And he said, Dad, I'm going to tell you something, but if I do, promise me you will not talk me out of it. I feel like God wants me to give this large sum of money to the church, and he did. Uh, when, when we started this church in Aquansadot, I couldn't tell my parents. I couldn't tell my brother and sister. They all attended Bethel Temple Assembly God, which is now Canyon Hills. And they were all, you know, go, they, they were very faithful going to church. But I couldn't tell them, because in that day and age, no one started a church. Today they do. Back in that day, no one started a church. To become a pastor, you had to go to college, Bible college, and you had to be appointed. No one started a church. So I couldn't tell them what I was going to do. When I went to Vegas, I couldn't tell a lot of uh, Christians in my family what I was going to do. I was going to quit my job for 30 people. I couldn't tell them. When I went through my chemotherapy, I certainly would not tell my parents. It was too crazy. You've all heard those stories. See, people who are not accustomed to walking in this kingdom lifestyle, they don't understand those of us who do. See, we live in a totally different world. What's normal for me is abnormal for them. And it's important for me to know that. Now, in our text, I believe with all of my heart that God told Jonathan to do this. He didn't just conjure this up. God told him to do it. There's two reasons I believe that. Number one is verse 3. He didn't just throw this verse in there. There's a reason for this verse. And Ahijah, the son of Ithab, Ichabod's brother, the son of Phinehas, the son of Eli, the priest of the Lord at Shiloh, just happened to be wearing an ephod. And the people did not know that Jonathan had gone. See how they tie the two together? He's tying it together. The author isn't going, to spell us out for it, isn't going to spell it out for us, but he's saying that it just so happened the ephod, which was an instrument for hearing God's voice, was in the camp. Why was that put in there? And, it, and then the last phrase, and then Jonathan went out and no one knew he went out. Obviously, he's trying to show us that Jonathan went to the priest and he heard God's voice. And God said to go. The second reason why I think that Jonathan heard God is nobody in their right mind would have that kind of courage to do what he did without hearing from God. No way. See, faith is a strong force, really strong. And Romans ten seventeen that we've covered so many times says, So, faith is a substance. We already know that from Hebrews. But it comes from hearing and hearing by a rhema of Christ. A rhema, not logos. That's rhema. Faith comes when God speaks something to you personally and says, do it. Now, again, faith is a very strong substance. Faith will make you do crazy things you never would have thought of doing before the faith came. See, when God dishes out a special dose of faith, it causes people to do some pretty crazy things. Things like walking around the walls of Jericho for seven days. That's crazy. Only faith could cause them to do that. In fact, faith is so strong, it got those people up every morning. They went again and again. You think after the third or fourth day, they go, this isn't working. But faith kept propelling them. It's a strong force. And they kept walking. Faith makes you do crazy things like taking on a Goliath. That's what faith does. Faith can make you pray over five loaves and two fishes. It can make you pray over them to the degree that you're going to feed 5,000 people with five loaves and two fishes. Faith can make you pray over dead people. It happens in the Bible. Faith makes you do crazy things. In our story here, faith makes this one man and his sword bearer, take on a huge army. Look at verse number six. Then Jonathan said to the young man who was carrying his armor, come and let us cross over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. I wish I had time to talk about this. That's the same exact word David uses three chapters later when he fights Goliath. There's a sermon in that one word. How dare this uncircumcised God-hater push us believers around. And he says, perhaps the Lord will work for us. And here's the phrase I want you to see. For the Lord is not restrained to say by many or by few. This boy was raised right. Not everyone has the God that he has. I have the same God that he has. But not everyone has it. Let me ask you a question today. Does the God you serve, can that God do anything? Is there nothing impossible for the God you serve? That makes life pretty exciting, doesn't it? Verse number seven, his armor bearer said to him, do all that's in your heart, turn yourself, and here I am. I'm with you according to your desire. Now, I admire this guy. This, this is the guy that gets most of my admiration, even more than Jonathan. See, Jonathan had heard directly from the Lord. This guy hadn't. He was letting Jonathan's faith infect him. Now, up at the ranch, we train leaders. And I brought a group in from another state a few weeks ago. And we usually get them in the side-by-sides and we take them up over the top of the Paiutes. Now, we go up a road that goes up the hill and it's like a two-mile drop-off. It's pretty treacherous. Well, I'm pretty crazy when I drive those side-by-sides. People don't wanna ride with me. I don't know what it is since I've been a kid. I just, When I'm going for it, I'm going for it, man. We're going to slide around corners. We're going to, I just love it. And I had a group from Las Vegas the other day. And uh, see, see the, 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 the bravest person that's side-by-sides, not the driver, it's the passenger. I can feel the power. I know we're under control. They don't. We went around a hill with a two-mile drop, and we went up on two wheels suspended, just sitting there. And I'm going, oh, Lord, no, 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 no. And I'm trying to get my weight shifted to come back down. It seemed like we stayed there forever. Those guys' eyes were this big around, and we got down. They go, boy, that was fun. (laughs) I just want to do it again. No. But see, there's that brave person sitting in the side cart. That's the brave one. This armor bearer is having to feed off of Jonathan's faith. Faith is infectious. Have you ever been somewhere, maybe in a room with a bunch of believers, and you're you're discussing a problem, and you're going, oh, man, we're dead meat. I don't know what we're going to do. Oh, man, this is horrible, horrible. And then somebody comes in who has a spirit of faith. Why don't we just trust God? And we go, wow, I'm embarrassed. When we were going to the porn convention in Vegas in earlier years, we knew we wanted to minister to those people, so we'd go to the hallway, stand outside the hallway, and try to talk to them about Jesus and try to pray with them. And we were getting cussed out, yelled at, security is being called on us. And we go, man, this is not working. And we know our heart's right, but uh, we don't know what to do. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? And Doug Loma said, I got an idea. Why don't we just boldly go in there and get a booth, and then we can preach all we want in Jesus' name. And we go, yeah we can do that. That, That's pretty cool, Doug. I like it. And so, I'm telling you, faith can be infectious. In fact, Jonathan's a model for David. David fights Goliath three chapters later. Tell me he wasn't infected by Jonathan's faith. Sometimes one person with faith can motivate a lot of other people. In verse 8 through 10, Jonathan asks for a confirmation. The rest is history. Two men have the courage to start a war with a whole garrison of Philistines. As a result, Israel wins the war, and the rest is history because of one man's faith. Now, second story is in Acts 16. Paul and Silas are thrown in jail for preaching the gospel and casting a demon out of a guy. And about midnight... They start praying and singing praise songs to God and all heaven breaks out. Look at verse 25 through 30. But about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to praise, of praise to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. This is cool, cool story. And suddenly there came a great earthquake. So that the foundations of the prison house were shaken and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's chains were unfastened. When the jailer awoke and saw the prison doors open, drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. And Paul cried out with a loud voice, Whoa, 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 don't do it, don't do it, don't harm yourself. We're all here. And he called for lights and rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. And after he brought them out, he said, Sirs, how can I get some of this? How can I have this kind of walk with God? I want what you have. Now, this is so interesting because the point I want you to see here is there, there are men of faith all throughout the Bible who never worried when, when, when things went wrong because they knew that they had God on their side. And when God's on your side, You never have to give up. You never have to feign in fear. Now, in our story, Paul and Silas, they got it. Why should we be fearful? Why should we be depressed? God's on our side, so let's sing praises to him, and let's pray and quote his word. They got it. Say with me, they got it. Jonathan got it. David got it. Daniel, got it. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they got it. Paul got it. Did you know when I read that text in 2 Corinthians, right? Do you know that Paul actually sometimes gets excited when trials come? In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul had a defining moment. He was bellyaching and going, Oh, God, man, every time I turn around, i got a problem. And they're demonically inspired. The demons are causing people to beat me up. And the demons are just having a heyday with my life. And every time I turn around, i got a trial, a problem, trial, a problem. God, just take it away, take it away, take it away. And God says, you don't get it. I'm not taking anything away. Because my grace is sufficient for every need you have. And Paul got it. He got it. God said, every time you're weak, you cry out to me, and I'll be your God. Every time you got a problem you can't solve, you cry out to me, and I'll solve it. You learn when you're weak, you come to me, because when you're weak, you're strong. And Paul heard it, and he got it so well that seemingly in that text, he says, man, bring the problems on. Come on, baby. Bring them on. Bring them on, because I have a new, a new definition of what a problem is. It's a situation for God to show himself big. Now, people by faith will live that way. People that aren't of faith, they're going, oh, really? Hey, let's continue to move on here. Uh, I lost my place. I got so excited there. Uh, Not only did Paul get it, not only did Daniel get it, and David got it, and Abraham got it, James and Peter got it. They both wrote, said, rejoice when you encounter trials. Knowing that those are opportunities for God to move. Opportunities for God to work. But, 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 you must approach those things with faith. And you must believe with your faith and believe is an actionary word. I'll say more in a second. We're going to end our time together and I'm going to give you several principles of faith. And I think you need to hear these and get them down. The first one is this, faith is the currency of the Spirit. Uh, my wife said, I might not have, sh- you should have used this much money, but I'm going to. Who wants to earn the easiest $100 you've ever earned in your life? Who wants to? Ma'am, come up right here. Come right Yes, yeah, you, please. Come up. This going to be an easy way to, to earn $100. Come right on up, yeah, right on the steps there. What's your name? Julie, Julie. Uh, do you have children? Are you a single mom? Yes, this is the second single mom we've got today. The second one. Tell me God isn't moving. Julie, I'm gonna give you $100. Do you have a need for this? It's yours, it's yours. Now, let me ask you a question. What are you going to do with that $100? You're going to get your kids' school clothes? Ah. So, so Julie, is it safe to say that because you have that $100, you're going to be able to get some stuff that you would not have been able to get if you don't have that $100? I don't have, my money. Okay. I want to see you after service, too. <laughs> Please catch her after service. But right now, because you have that money... You're going to be able to get some stuff that you would not have had without that money. Is that right? I start school tomorrow. Right? Okay. Start school tomorrow. Bless you. Sure's See me after service. <laughs> now, listen to me. Faith is the currency of the Spirit. With faith, you'll get things you wouldn't normally get. When you have faith, you're going to have blessings you never would have had. And I'll repeat that old phrase I've used for years. When you live by faith, you'll get things you wouldn't normally get because you're going to do things you wouldn't normally do. (laughs) Just as money gets you things in the material realm, faith gets you things in the spiritual realm, things that are God's will. Now, your faith isn't yours to use for your own stuff. It's used to get things that are God's will for your life. There's a big difference between the two. Now look at Hebrews 11, 29 through 35. By faith, they passed through the Red Sea as though they were passing through in dry ground. Faith bought them a passage through the sea. Next verse. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been circled seven days. By faith, that battle was won. By faith, Rahab the harlot did not perish along with those who were disobedient after she had welcomed the spies in peace. And what more shall I say, for time will fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, the prophets, who by faith they conquered kingdoms. They performed acts of righteousness, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, on and on and on. They did it with the currency of faith. So faith will get you things that you cannot buy with money, because it's the currency of the spirit realm. If you go to Vegas, this, if you're ever in Vegas, visit our campus here, beautiful campus, huge cafeteria, class act cafeteria, sanctuary, I mean, kids' programs, their youth room is like outrageously great, and all of that was purchased with faith. Faith. Uh, this campus here, we started a Quonset hut, and by faith, this 3,400-seat sanctuary w- w- was built by faith, by faith, everything you see on these grounds became came into the material realm by by faith, my health. I should be dead today. I have two cancers that are very capable of killing me. And today, none of them, neither one of them, are uh, uh, life-threatening at all. But it's because of faith. Say with me. It's because of faith. It's because of faith. We're using our faith. The woman with the issue of of blood in the Bible, she could have said at home, quoting verses for five years and saying, Jesus, make me well, make me well, oh, make me well. I'm believing you for healing. She had to do something with her faith. She had to symbolically come to the altar and pray through and say, I'm going to do something with my faith. I'm not just going to pray. Now, let's look at number two. You can't live a righteous life without living by faith. Look at Hebrews 10, 38. But my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. Now, get that again. My righteous one. Righteous people are people who live by faith. In other words, they they take everything in their little world, things that they feel they need from God, and they live as if they're real even when they're not real. My righteous ones live by faith. This verse is so powerful that it's repeated twice more. In Romans 1.17, Galatians 3.11, same verse. So there are many, many promises in the Bible that are made for righteous people. And righteous people are people who live by faith. For example, the Bible says the fervent prayer of a righteous person will accomplish much. It doesn't say the fervent prayer of any old Christian will accomplish much, but the fervent prayer of someone who lives by faith and acts on that faith that's going to accomplish a lot. Because they're not just going to pray for you. They're going to keep praying. I know when I pray for someone, I feel it's God's will to heal them. I won't stop praying. I'll pray for you 13 times, 14 times. I'll come back, come back. We ain't through, we ain't through. Hector, when we were down in Mexico praying for miracles, we had a bunch of them. He had a pain in his midsection somewhere, I don't know. And he said, Well, how? About pray for me, Pastor, You pray for everybody else, pray for me. And we started praying. I said, You feel better. He said, yeah, The pain went from my midsection down to my thigh. Keep praying. I prayed it's down to my calf right now. Now it's in my knees. It's down my ankle now. And we kept praying and praying and praying. See, that's the way righteous people pray, they live by faith, and they don't take no for an answer. And that's why the Bible says the firm prayer of a righteous person accomplishes much. Look at Psalms 37, 29. The righteous will inherit the land. Who? Those who live by faith will inherit the land. Those who put actions to their prayers, they'll inherit the land. And they'll dwell in it forever. Look at Job seventeen nine. Nevertheless, the righteous will hold to his way. Why? Because he's got faith, and faith gives you that strength to hold to your way. You're stubborn. You're saying, no, God's still saying it's going to happen. God's still saying it's going to happen. And he who has clean hands will grow stronger and stronger. Let's look at the next one. But let all who take refuge in you be glad. Let them sing for joy. And may you shelter them, that those who love your name may exult in you. For it is you who blesses who? The righteous man. Who does he bless? The one who lives by faith. The one who's not afraid to take chances. The one that's willing to put their their, their actions where their, their, their mouth is. And you surround him with favor as with a shield. And then Psalms 55:22, cast your burden upon the Lord and he'll sustain you. He will never allow the one who lives by faith and is righteous to be shaken because they'll keep making moves to counteract. God will keep leading them and guiding them. Now, listen to me closely. We must learn to read the word, listen to the word, meditate upon the word, and declare the word, and pray the word. Faith's presence is so powerful. It makes you just know stuff. You don't just think stuff's true. You know. There have been times in my life where they go, You think God's gonna do this? No, I don't think he's gonna do it. I know he's gonna do it. I know that, I know that I know that I know that I know. That's only when faith is is there. It's not all the time. But when God has spoken to me and confirmed it, I know that I know that I know. Now I get a lot of scriptures, and thank you so much. You're, you're such kind people. People send me scriptures every week, and praise God, I always appreciate getting the word of God. Do they speak to me? Not, not, not all the time. It's like thumbs up, thank you, good verse, good verse. But I know in those particular situations, they weren't sent from God. My sister down here, I know she's got my number, when she sends them to me, usually they're from God, and I go, whoa. We were fellowship in the days, it doesn't have to be scriptures, but me and you were fellowshipping, I got a brother down here that we were raised together since 13 and we were thrown in jail together, we did jail time together, we did everything together. And we were fellowshipping and I told him, I said, man, he said, what's wrong today? I said, I'm I'm trying to make a decision uh, whether I spend more time in Vegas or more time in Bakersfield, because I love both these churches. God used me to give birth to both of them and I love them equally. And I'm just trying to make this decision. I'm struggling with it. And under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, I don't think he realized that he was speaking for God. But he looked at me and says, you know what, the way I see it, that's not your decision to make. I said, whoa. He didn't know that he just spoke God's word to me. And man, all of a sudden, now I have faith. I I know that I know that I know. I don't have to make that decision. God will make it for me. At the right time, it'll just, it'll just happen. Now, I want to continue, and I'm almost through here. Uh, Let's look at the next PowerPoint. Everything God wants to do in the future is connected to what he's telling you to do today. It's important for you to see. It's important for you, in order to get what you feel God's promised you, it's important that you really, really consider what he's telling you to do today because you're not going to get that down the road if you don't do what he's telling you to do today. For example, if God wants to save some person in your life, it might be three years before they get saved, but what's important is, what are you doing today? Living by faith today, praying for them every day today, buying them books on salvation today, inviting them to church today. If he wants to heal your body, it's important what you're doing today. Don't get your focus so much on the the manifestation of the answer of the prayer that you don't see what you're supposed to be doing today. Does God want to give you a promotion at work because maybe you're a single mom and you're not making enough money? Well, it's important what you do today to get that. Uh, Does God want to give you a raise? Does he want to, uh, whatever he wants to do. I want to give someone a rhema here right now. As valuable as prayer is, there comes a time, sometimes, when you need to stop praying and put some feet on your prayers. I don't know who I'm talking to, but in your particular situation, it's quite possible that it's a time to stop praying and start acting. Now, prayer is important, and you don't want to stop until God says stop, but there's times where He will say stop. I mean, for example, Joshua Jericho he says, it's Time to stop praying and start marching. Marching and praising, no more praying, no more asking God for provision. Start marching and praising. When they were at the Red Sea, he told Moses, stop praying, man, and get to marching. Go forward, I'll open up those waters. Paul and Silas in prison, stop praying and start start singing praises unto me. So there's a time to pray and a time to act. Number four, special gifts of faith have a shelf life. You can't use today's faith for tomorrow's problems. One reason in the Bible for some of the men and women of God, after they heard God very plainly, they were moving right away. They didn't let any time pass. They were on their donkeys. They were saddling up when they knew it was God. Now, I'm not at all advocating impulsiveness. We have too much of that in the church today. Nor am I advocating Moving before you know absolutely that that is God's will for you. But once you know it's God's will, it's time to move. Don't sit don't around praying after you know it's God's will because faith has a short shelf life. It'll spoil real quickly, and it'll be gone. So you have to be able to move without procrastinating. Once you know something is God's will, faith left alone dies pretty quickly. Number five. Use faith to get wisdom. Look at this passage, James 1, 5 through 8. But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. Don't just sit around asking everybody else for their take on the situation. Ask of God, who gives to every single person that asks. He gives generously and without reproach. It's going to be given to him, because that's God's nature. But, say with me, but... There is is a stipulation here. He's, man, when you come to me for wisdom, pray, and I'll give it to you. But, 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 you must get this. He must ask in faith without any doubting. For the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For that man who doubts should never expect to receive anything from God, because my kingdom doesn't work that way. So if you're going to doubt, Save your breath. Don't even ask. Let me show you how this works. When I go to God and I need wisdom, I quote the Word. God says, I need wisdom, and, and I know you're going to give it to me because the Word can't lie. And so now every thought that comes in my mind after this is going to be probably from you. My heart, the way it starts changing after this prayer will probably be from you. Now I'm going to listen and watch, and I will start getting direction from you. And I can't go wrong because you're going to start leading me. It's that simple. You say, that sounds kind of dumb. No, it's childlike. Listen to what Albert Einstein said. The significant problems we face today cannot be solved at the same level of thinking we were at when we created them. Wow. After you pray for wisdom, actually believe that your thoughts are going to be influenced now. Your friends are going to be influenced. What you see and hear is going to be influenced. Why? Because you asked. And then wisdom will come to you. Now, the last one is we create desired results when we act in faith. Look at Hebrews 11, 1 and 2. Faith is the assurance of things that we hope for and the conviction of not things not seen. For by it, the men of old gained approval. Now, in the, in the Greek, it says, for by it, the men of old gained testimonies. By using their faith, they, they gained God's stories. Now, I heard another pastor use this illustration some time ago, but he didn't illustrate it, and I'm going to illustrate what he said. This is a cake. This represents the thing that we're desiring from God. This is the thing we're hoping for, right there in Hebrews 11.1. One. We're praying and asking God for a cake, and this cake's gonna do wonders. We, we really need this. And so we're coming to God in faith, saying, God, I need a cake. This is the assurance of the things hoped for. This is the manifestation. Now, it's important to see that once we start praying, faith has a process you have to go through. So we're, we're gonna start praying, and now we're going to start adding the ingredients to make a cake. We're going to put a little milk in there. Now, now milk is good for those the people that like it. I'm not really a crazy milk person. Uh, but nevertheless, that milk is not a cake. Do you agree? And now I'm going to take a couple eggs and I'm going to put them in there. I will put the, this is a new kind of cake. I'll just put the, everything in there. And then we're going to take vanilla extract, my... Grandpa used to use this to get drunk all the time back in the day, decades ago. And we're going to put some of that in now. This still not a cake, right? Still not a cake. And then we're going to take some sugar. Cake's not good without sugar, so we're going to we're going to throw some some sugar in there. Okay, let's put some sugar in there. And, and then we're going to take some butter. Uh, I like butter, so I'm just going to throw the whole thing in there. You know, hey, let's get some butter in this cake, man. You know. There we go, and some baking powder, and we're gonna put this. There's seven ingredients. And so then what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna start mixing because I'm gonna make cake. Mixing, mixing, mixing. Takes a little time. I'm gonna keep mixing. There's a process here. I got the right ingredients in here. But I don't have a cake yet. So I'm gonna keep mixing, mixing, mixing. Then I'm gonna have to bake it. I'm gonna put it in the oven for a while. This is exactly what you do when you're trying to produce something God has promised you in the Spirit. Uh, For example, there are seven ingredients that go into a cake. Now, in order to get this, I have to use all seven ingredients. There happens to be seven phases of the process of faith. I think Rick Warren has four or five. I have seven. And here they are. First, you have to dare to dream. And let God give you a dream of something He wants to do in your life. Let Him give you a dream. Then the second D is determination. You have to determine: is that God's will? Do I have proof that it's God's will? Once you know it's God's will, then you have to make a decision. I'm going for it. I'm going to pray Uncle Harry in the kingdom. I'm going to pray Aunt Betsy to the kingdom because I know it's God's will. I'm going to get a healing from God because I have work to do. Whatever it is. And now once you make a decision, you've got to know this process of faith. There's going to come discouragement. The devil's going to challenge it. And you're going to get discouraged for a season. And then you're going to start doubting, going, did I really hear God? It's part of the process. Get used to it. I don't know if I heard God or not. I, I don't know. But you know what you've got to keep doing? Whether I heard God or not, I'm going to keep stirring. I'm not going to stop, because I still have that. I know that I know. I really believe this is God's will. And after the doubts... Usually there's the death of the vision. Usually always dies before it's fulfilled. And so now you go, man, this is never going to happen. I'm just going to give up. No, don't give up. Come on, get back in there. Keep praying. Keep quoting. Keep praising God. And if you do, the demonstration of what you're praying for will come about. As long as you have faith, you've got a guarantee. You've got a guarantee. See, this process of faith is so, so, so. Valuable for you to know because Abraham went through it, a father of nations. He got doubts, discouragement after he knew his God's will, and the the vision died, but then God finally delivered. David went through it. You're going to be king. Ran from Saul. Joseph went through it. You're going to be the ruler of your brethren, but he went through all hell until the vision was dying. Once you get this process down, you'll keep praising. Even when things go wrong, you'll keep quoting the Word of God. You'll keep looking for the answer, and you will not give up because you are a righteous person. And that's the only way that this stuff is going to come. You get to choose how much you're blessed, but you're going to have to live by faith. I'm through. That's it. No more. We will continue in a couple weeks. Now, listen to me. We're going to end our time together by taking Holy Communion. This is so important. See, Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 11. He says, you've got to take Holy Communion in a right frame of mind. And I think there's a lot of things that are represented in Holy Communion. But I want to concentrate on the one right now. God says, I want you to take Holy Communion. I want you to do it on a regular basis. We're going to be more regular here. And when you take it, I want you to really, really think about what happened on the cross almost 2,000 years ago. That was my boy. That was my son that crucified. I think God would say to us today, I have emotions. I watched them nail my son to a tree. And with every blow of the hammer, my heart ached. My heart hurt. I wanted to save him, but I couldn't. He said, I want you regularly to think about the price I paid to procure your salvation. Stop taking it for granted. I want you to get serious about your life because I, I, we paid the price for you, my friend. He wants that in front of our face. Listen to me today. Paul goes on 1 Corinthians 11, and he said, a lot of you, are being judged by God because you won't take this communion seriously. You won't set aside a regular time where you say, I'm not going to take for granted this walk with God. Jesus paid a price for my sins. And he said, because some of you are just taking it for granted and you continue to live in your porn and getting drunk and yelling and abusing the family, because you continue to do that and you say you're a Christian, he said, I want you to know you're under divine chastisement. And some of you are sick because of it and some of you are gonna die a very early death because of it, because you say you belong to me, and I know you wanna belong to me, and maybe in fact you do belong to me, but because you're under divine chastisement, your prayers aren't even heard, and the devil's gonna have a heyday with you. You can't even take authority over the devil and make him flee, you can't do it because you're under divine chastisement. Now see, here's the deal, gosh, I want you to repent, he said, when you take communion, what you're to do is sit there for a while and say, God, search my heart. Show me any way that I'm, I'm living that's not pleasing to you. And, and when you do, I will confess my sin. That means I agree with you that it's wrong. And then when I get out of here, I'll do stuff to make restitution and change that way by your strength. So it's a time that we must set aside regularly to think about where we're walking out with God. Now, I want to say this. You need to hear it. None of us are perfect at our very best. He's not asking for perfection. Honesty. I have a sermon I'm working on. It's called Grace Upon Grace. All he wants from us is sincerity. And we see we're living wrong, repent. Like some of you say you need to forgive someone because the Bible says that you forgive others who trespassed you against you. You're to forgive them. You're to do that in faith. Some of you guys, you continue to dabble in porn, you don't realize that it's never going to satisfy, duh, when you're going to give up. It's just a tool the devil's using to keep you from being blessed by God. So not perfection. Ask my wife. I'm not a perfect guy. I make a lot of mistakes. I have to apologize a lot. But my heart's right. It's sincere. You do the best you can do, and then you let God's grace do the rest. You're gonna fall. There's a big difference between living in an obstinate, stubborn, sinful way and living the best you can, but still falling. There, there's a big difference between those two. All God wants is your best. So what we're gonna do today, in closing, they're gonna, they're gonna they're gonna have the communion. You get the elements. Go back and sit and do what I do. I take communion, I say, God, right now, search my heart. Show me any way that's not pleasing to you. When you do, I will confess that sin. I'll agree with it. That's wrong. I know that's wrong, but I need your help to to change it. But I know it's wrong. That's all I ask, God says, to say it's wrong. We, We can work it out down the road, but I just want to hear you say it's wrong. He loves us. In heaven today, for some of you that are Christians but you're under divine chastisement, you know God has a bunch of gifts with your name on it, but he has not been able to give them to you because you're not living right. And when you get right with God, he'll start giving you those presents that he's always wanted to give you as a loving father. I gotta shut up. I'm sorry, what time is it? It's a habit. I told the people last night, I I really don't like the limelight. I don't like to talk and talk and talk, but I just get excited. I'm sorry. I really get excited when I get up here. (laughs) Father God, meet us right now. If anybody in the house and, and pastors of the campus, it's yours to close with however you want. But if there's anybody in the house that's not born again, all you have to do is pray right there. Take the... Elements of communion. Say, Father God, today send the Holy Spirit come live in my body. Give me the strength I need to serve you and start following you and then take the communion. And so today, minister to us in Jesus' name and everybody says amen. God bless you. Love you, guys. Thank you for listening. We pray that this message has ministered to your heart. If you don't already have a church you call home, we invite you to join us at Valley Bible Fellowship for worship, Bible study, fellowship, and more. We're at 2300 East Brundage Lane in Bakersfield, California, near Mount Vernon and Freeway 58. Reach us by phone at 661-325-2251 or visit our website at vbf.org.